3.9.83. On a certain occasion, the Exalted One was staying near Vesali, in the great grove in the house with the peak gable. Now a certain monk who was of the Bajin clan came to see the Exalted One, paid at respect, etc., and sat to one side. As he sat at one side, that monk said this to the Exalted One, Lord, the recital I have to make twice a month amounts to more than 150 rules. Lord, I can't stand such a training. Just now he said uh, about the more than 150 rules uh, uh, that he has to recite twice a month. Uh, this is the patimoka, the precepts uh, which monks have to uh, chant. Uh, when there's more monks or more, they chant the whole... Uh, all the rules, but if there are less than four monks, then they don't chant all the rules. But um, and uh, the two days in a month that they chant uh, are the two days of the lunar calendar. First one is the 15th day of the lunar calendar, the full moon day. The other one is the last day of the lunar calendar, the 30th of the lunar calendar, or sometimes when you don't have 30 days, you have 29 days. And these uh, rules, uh, there are actually hundred and in our Theravada tradition, uh, there are hundred and fifty-two rules. Hundred and fifty-two. Later, another seventy-five trainings were added. Uh, uh, trainings uh, that you're supposed to wear your robe all around. You're supposed to uh, be very mindful when you eat. You're supposed to be very mindful when you go on arms round, accept food, etc. So, uh, if you add the 152 plus the 75, you get 227 precepts, la, which a monk is supposed to uh, keep. La. So, the Buddha said, Well, monk, can you stand the training in three particulars? That in the higher morality, in the higher mind, and in the higher wisdom. And he replied, Yes, Lord, I can do that. And the Buddha said, Then do so in these three particulars. Then, monk, when you are proficient in the higher morality, higher mind, and higher wisdom, then passion, hatred, and delusion will be abandoned by you. When you have abandoned these, you will not perform any wrong deed. You will not follow any wicked way. So that monk, some time after, trained himself in the higher morality, higher mind, and higher wisdom. And on completion of, his, of this training, passion, hatred, and delusion were abandoned by him. Thereafter, he did no wrong deed. He followed no wicked way. In other words, he became uh, Arahan. Uh, this uh, training uh, in the higher morality, higher mind and higher wisdom is basically also the training in the Sila, Samadhi and Panya, which is the basis of the Aryan Eightfold Path uh, taught by the Buddha to get out of suffering, uh, to get out of the cycle of rebirth. Uh. And so... Here, uh, you can see in this sutta that this this monk is saying uh, there are so many rules to keep. Uh, he said he can't, he can't stand it. Uh, too many rules, 100, 150 over rules to keep. Uh, and you can see here the Buddha uh, had the wisdom uh, not to insist that he follow all these rules, just to say, just told him, uh, keep in mind these three things. Train in the higher morality, higher mind, and higher wisdom, which he said the three things he can do. So you can see here, even though the Buddha made so many rules, actually the Buddha is not attached to the rules, even though sometimes he can be quite strict with the rules. And we can see, for example, 
in the beginning of the Buddha's ministry, he didn't make any rules, hardly any rules, and yet there were a lot of arahants. And later, because there were a lot of monks and more and more monks ordained, then when you have more people, the chances of uh, getting uh, uh, um, sort of uh, corrupt monks, uh, even if you get 1% or 2%, uh, you still, when you have a big number, you have quite a lot of them. That's why the Buddha had to make uh, more rules. Uh, with the passing of time, he added more rules. So... Uh, you can see the Buddha, he could see that this monk was a good monk. So, uh, with good monks, uh, you don't have to tell them to follow a lot of rules. They will naturally uh, guard themselves. But with corrupt monks, uh, with very lax, uh, unmindful monks, uh, you have to give them a lot of rules uh, to keep them on their toes. <laughs> so here the Buddha relaxed. The next sutta... It's quite an important sutta. Uh, 3.9.85 The Buddha said, Monks, this recital to be made twice a month amounts to more than 150 rules wherein are trained clansmen or countrymen who are eager for their welfare. Now all these combine together to make these three forms of training. What three? The higher morality, the higher mind, and the higher wisdom. Herein are combined one and all of these rules. Now monks, in this matter, a monk keeps the laws of morality in full. He is moderately given to mental concentration, moderately given to striving for wisdom. Whatever minor trifling observances he may transgress, he is cleared of them. Why so? I do not declare him to be rendered unfit because of them, for he strictly observes the rudiments of the holy life, the constituents of the holy life. He is established in morality. He trains himself in the rules of training by undertaking them. Such a one, by destroying three fetters, is a stream winner, Sotapanna. One not doomed to the downfall, one assured, one bound for enlightenment. Uh, just uh, stop here for a while to make some comment. Eh? The Buddha is saying that uh, a Chotapanna, he, he, he keeps the, the morality, laws of morality, eh? rules of morality in full. Then he is moderately given to mental concentration, moderately given to striving for wisdom. And uh, sometimes he can break the, even though he has, uh, the Buddha says, uh, that he, he keeps the laws of morality in full. Uh, uh, sometimes minor trifling observances he may transgress, he is cleared of them. Uh, so even though he is perfect in sila, uh, sometimes minor uh, rules uh, he, he can, he can uh, transgress. Uh, and... Uh, the Buddha said, by destroying three fetters, he, he is a stream winner, Sutapanna. Uh, later, you'll find uh, that uh, um, the stream winner, you have the path and the fruit. Uh, in the path attainer, uh, he has not destroyed the three fetters yet. But when, but it is stated elsewhere, uh, some other sutta, that a person who attains the path, uh, before he dies, uh, he will definitely attain the fruit. Uh, but it's not stated when. It might be a short time, might be a longer time, a few years, but he will attain the fruit before he dies. And when he attains the fruit, the three fetters are destroyed. 
what are the three factors? The first one is Sakaya Diti, second one is Silabata Paramasa, and the third one is Vichikicha. Sakaya Diti, sometimes they translate as a view of a person or view of a being, a view of a self. But I would prefer to translate it as a view of a being in the body. Uh, that's Sakaya, view of a being in the body. Why? Because the Buddha said it is, um, it is easier to see uh, that the body is not the self. But it is very, very difficult uh, to see that the mind is not the self. Uh, we have been so used to using the mind. Uh, it has protected us for so many lifetimes that uh, uh, it has become our second nature, our mind. Uh, so, uh, saying about the uh, the Sakaya Diti, eh, the view of a being in the body, why I say this is because... Uh, uh, in the suttas, uh, we find uh, that uh, even an anagami, a third stage uh, uh, fruit attainer, he still has a view of a being, you know, a view of a self. He still has. Until that person is an arahan, uh, all the aryas, uh, they have a view of a being. Uh, so if you translate Sakaya Diti as view of a being, uh, sorry, view of a self, uh, then you are saying that all the Aryas don't have a view of a self. They still have. Uh, it's only that, uh, in my opinion, they, they can see that the body is not the self. Mm, but they still have a view of a self somewhere. Uh, so this is a Sakaya Diti. The second one is Sila Bata Paramasa, which is clinging to rules and rituals. Uh, rules, uh, we have to have wisdom in using rules. Uh, and we must know the rules, uh, the, the spirit of the rules, uh, to, uh, how to use them. And Vichikicha is doubt, doubt about the teaching. Uh, so, uh, there's the three factors. Now to continue, uh, the Buddha said, Moreover, a monk keeps the laws of morality in full. He is moderately given to mental concentration, moderately given to striving for wisdom. Whatever minor trifling observances he may transgress, he is cleared of them. Why so? I do not declare him to be rendered unfit because of them, for he strictly observes the rudiments of the holy life, the constituents of the holy life. He is established in morality. He trains himself in the rules of training by undertaking them. Uh, such a one, by destroying three fetters and weakening those of passion, hatred and delusion, is a once returner, Sakadagamin. Coming back to this world just once more, he will make an end of ill. Uh, just stop here again to comment. Uh. Here again you find uh, that the Sakadagamin is similar to the uh, Sotapanna uh, in that he has uh, perfect morality, but uh, only very uh, moderate amount of concentration and wisdom. And uh, he comes back to this world once more before he ends the cycle of rebirth. Uh, uh, this is a Sakadagamin. In, uh, in the case of a Sotapanna, he comes back to this world uh, not more than seven times as a human being, not more than seven times. And the Buddha continued, Moreover, a monk keeps the laws of morality in full. He, practice, he practices concentration in full, but he is moderately given to striving for wisdom. Such a one, by the, by the destruction of the five fetters that bind to the lower worlds, takes birth spontaneously, there to pass away, destined never to return again. 
stop here again. Here, the Buddha is talking about the Anagamin, uh, who is reborn in the pure abodes. Uh, he, he has perfect morality and perfect concentration, uh, but he has moderate amount of wisdom, and he destroys the five fetters. Uh, that means the earlier three, which is Sakayaditi, Silabata Paramasa, Vichikicha, plus the fourth one is Kamaraga, uh, which is uh, sensual passion, and the fifth one is Vayapada, ill will. Uh, and then, uh, to continue, the Buddha said, Lastly, in this matter, a monk keeps the laws of morality in full. He practices concentration in full. He practices the acquiring of wisdom in full. Whatever minor trifling observances he may transgress, he is cleared of them. I do not declare him to be rendered unfit because of that. He strictly observes the rudiments of the holy life, the constituents of the holy life. He is established in morality. He trains himself in the rules of the training by undertaking them. Such a one, by destroying the asavas in this very life, himself comes to know thoroughly the liberation by mind, the liberation by wisdom, and attaining it abides therein. Thus monks, the partial of fulfiller attains partially, the perfect observer attains perfectly. Not barren of result are these rules of training, I declare. Uh, that's the end of the sutta. So in this sutta, the Buddha is saying uh, that a sutapana and a sakadagamin, uh, the first and the second fruition persons, uh, they have perfect sila. Uh, and the anagamin has got perfect sila and perfect concentration, perfect samadhi. Uh, and uh, we know from other suttas uh, that perfect concentration means the four jhanas or one-pointedness of mind in the suttas. Uh, and the, the arahan uh, has perfect sila, samadhi and panya, uh, morality, concentration and wisdom. Uh, and he destroys the asavas. Asavas are those uh, uncontrolled mental outflows. Uh, uh, in, in other words, uh, the totality of consciousness is all stopped. The other thing you like to observe here is that all the Arya, even though they have perfect sila, sometimes the, 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 they can transgress minor observances. That means minor precepts. Uh, that's why uh, minor precepts are not extremely important. In the Mahaparinibbana Sutta, before the Buddha passed away, eh, he said in the future, if the Sangha, the monks, eh, want to um, abolish the minor rules, eh, if they consider it necessary, they may do so. And then uh, the other Sutta is 3.9.88. Eh, the Buddha said, monks, there are these three forms of training. What three? The training in the higher morality, that in the higher mind, and that in the higher wisdom. And what monks is the training in the higher morality? I stop here. This Adisila Sika. So here uh, we get a definition of the three things: uh, higher morality, higher mind, and higher wisdom. Uh. And the Buddha said, Herein a monk lives moral and restrained with the restraint of the obligations, that is the patimoka. Following the practice of right conduct, he sees danger in the slightest faults. He takes up and trains himself in the rules of morality. This is called the training in the higher morality. And what monks is the training in the higher mind? Adi citta sika. 
one for Herein, a monk remote from sensual desires, aloof from sensual sen, uh, sensuality, eh? aloof from evil states, enters on the first jhana, which is accompanied by thought directed and sustained, born of seclusion, delightful and pleasurable, and abides therein. Then, by the calming down of thought directed and sustained, he enters on that inward calm, that one-pointedness of mind, apart from thought directed and sustained, that is born of concentration, delightful and pleasurable, which is the second jhana, and abides therein. Then, by the fading out of delight, he abides equanimous, mindful and composed, and experiences pleasure throughout the body. Having entered on the third jhana, which the Aryans describe in these terms, he who is equanimous and mindful dwells happily, he abides therein. Then by the abandoning of pleasure, by the abandoning of discomfort, by the ending of the happiness and unhappiness that he had before, entering on that state which is neither pleasant nor painful, that utter purity of mindfulness reached by equanimity, which is the fourth jhana, he abides therein. This is called the training in the higher mind. And what monks is the training in the higher wisdom? Adipanyasika. Herein a monk understands as it really is the meaning of this is dukkha, this is the arising of dukkha, this is the, this is the ending of dukkha, this is the practice leading to the ending of dukkha. This is called the training in the higher wisdom. These are the three forms of training. Uh, so here we get a definition of what you mean by the higher morality, higher mind and the higher wisdom. The higher morality is keep, uh, keeping the rules uh, set up by the Buddha. Uh, for, of course, for monks, this is slightly different from lay people. Uh, for monks, they have uh, the code of uh, discipline, the Vinaya. And then the higher mind here, you find, uh, is the four jhanas. Uh, this is the definition given in the suttas. Lah. But in other later books, lah, there were other interpretations. Lah. Uh, in the, however, in the sutta, it's always the four jhanas or one-pointedness of mind. And then uh, the third one is wisdom. Wisdom is understanding the four noble truths. But then you see um, in the four, in the, in the, in the stages, the eight uh, stages of Aryahut, nah, um, they all have this sila, samadhi, and panya, but at different levels. Uh, different levels. The lower, like sotapanna, they understand uh, the the morality may be perfect, but their concentration and wisdom uh, is at a lower level. Uh, and then as you go higher, uh, the sakadagamin, second stage, and third stage, and fourth stage, uh, then the concentration and the uh, wisdom naturally uh, becomes uh, more developed. On this next sutta is 3.10.94. The Buddha said, Possessed of three qualities, monks, a raja's noble thoroughbred steed is worthy of the raja, a royal possession, and is reckoned an attribute of royalty. What are the three? Herein, monks, the raja's noble thoroughbred is blessed with beauty, with strength, with speed, these are the three qualities. In like manner, monks, 
possessed of three things, a monk is worthy of offerings, worthy of hospitality, worthy of gifts, of salutations with claps, hands, a field of merit unsurpassed for the world. What three? Beauty, strength and speed. And how is a monk blessed with beauty? Herein a monk is moral. He lives restrained with the restraint of the obligations, Patimoka, proficient in the practice of good conduct. Seeing danger in trifling faults, he trains himself in the rules by undertaking them. In this way he has beauty. And how is a monk blessed with strength? Herein a monk dwells ardent in energy, ever striving to abandon bad qualities, to acquire good qualities, strenuously exerting himself, not throwing off the burden in good qualities. In this way he has strength. And how is a monk blessed with speed? Herein a monk understands, as it really is, the meaning of this is dukkha, this is the arising of dukkha, this is the ending of dukkha, this is the practice that leads to the ending of dukkha. In this way a monk is blessed with speed. Possessed of these three qualities, a monk is worthy of offerings, etc., etc., a field of merit unsurpassed for the world. In this sutta, the Buddha is talking about three very important qualities eh, that a monk or anybody treading the holy path eh, should uh, develop. Eh? The first one is morality, eh, sila. The second one is uh, energy, eh, energetic effort. Eh? And the third one is having wisdom. Now we come to another very important sutta eh, concerning karma. 3.10.99 The Buddha said, Monks, if anyone should say, even as a man commits a deed karma, so does he correspondingly experience its result. This being so, there is no living of the holy life. There is no opportunity manifested for the utter destruction of ill. But if one should say, even as a man commits a deed that is to be felt, so does he correspondingly experience its result. This being so, monks, there is living of the holy life. There is opportunity manifested for the utter ending of ill. Now, for instance, there may be some trifling evil deed of some person which may take him to hell. Again, there may be a like trifling de evil deed of some other person which is to be experienced in this very life. Not much of it, nay, not a dot of it is seen hereafter. i just stop for a while to comment. Eh? Here the Buddha is saying eh, that, um, that when we uh, commit karma, when we do a deed, eh, an action intentionally, eh, um, it is we we don't get the corresponding result always, you know. Um, it it all depends on the person. It all depends on the person. In other words, suppose like you do an evil deed, like you kill a person, and uh, uh, for one person, uh, perhaps by killing, by doing killing, uh, in the next life uh, or the next few lives, uh, he may experience being killed either once or many times. But another person, he does the killing, but he does not experience being killed in the next life. So this is uh, uh, karma. is not very straightforward. Uh, it depends very much on the person, uh, the, the the person doing the deed. Uh, this is an uh, important uh, 
principle that we have to understand because the Buddha said sometimes a person does a small evil deed and it can bring him to hell. But another person does the same small evil deed, eh? he may experience it in this very life. Eh? Maybe he feels uh, remorse eh? that he has done it. Oh, and then it troubles him a bit. And then next life, it's all cleared. Eh? He doesn't have to pay anymore. Now to continue. Eh? Now monks, of what, what sort of person does a small offense take him to hell? Here in monks, a certain person is uncultured in body, uncun- uncultured in moral conduct, uncultured in mind, uncultured in wisdom. He is insignificant. His life is restricted. He is miserable. Of such a person, monks, even a trifling evil deed done brings him to hell. Now monks, for what sort of being is a similar small offense to be experienced in this very life? and not a dot of it seen hereafter. In this case, some person is cultured in body, cultured in moral conduct, cultured in mind, and cultured in wisdom. He is not insignificant. He is a great being. He abides immeasurable. By such a being, monks, a similar small offense is to be experienced in this very life, and not much of it, nay, not even a dot of it is seen hereafter. Uh, So... I'll just stop for a while uh, to see, you see, a person with uh, not much blessings, uh, not much merit, uh, uh, not an uncultured person, uh, uh, just doing a small evil deed uh, brings him to hell. Whereas for another person who is um, a great being, uh, he is cultured in body, cultured in moral conduct, cultured in mind and cultured in wisdom, uh, he... uh, he pays for it in this very life, eh? and hereafter he doesn't have to pay for it. Eh? And uh, cultured in body, maybe, eh, is that uh, he does not do evil with his body. Eh? He does not steal, he does not kill, he does not commit adultery. Eh? And cultured in moral conduct, in all, all kinds of moral conduct, eh? he is cultured. Eh? Cultured in mind, that means he has developed his mind eh, by meditation, by concentration, etc. And cultured in wisdom. Uh, he has developed wisdom, uh, understands the teachings, uh, the holy teachings, etc. Now, to continue, uh, the Buddha said, Now, monks, suppose a man throws a lump of salt into a little cup of water. What do you think, monks? Would that trifling amount of water in the cup become salty and undrinkable owing to that lump of salt? And they replied, It would, Lord. Why so? That water in the cup, Lord, being but little, would become salty and undrinkable thereby. And the Buddha said, Again, suppose a man throws a lump of salt into the river Ganges. What do you think, monks? Would that river Ganges become salty and undrinkable owing to that lump of salt? Surely not, Lord. Why not? Great, Lord, is that mass of water in the river Ganges. It would not become salty and undrinkable thereby. And the Buddha said, well, monks, just in the same way, the small offense of such and such a person here takes him to hell. Or yet again, a similar small offense of another person is to be experienced in this very life, and not much of it, nay, not a dot of it is to be seen hereafter. Let's stop here for a while. Huh? Here the Buddha is giving a very good simile. In the days of the Buddha, they did not have fine salt like we have nowadays. You know? They had lumps of salt. And the Buddha said, you just take a lump of salt, you put it in a cup of water and you stir it. And you drink the water is very salty. 
But you take the same size of salt, uh, same lump of salt, you put in the river and you stir it and you drink the water, it's not salty. So what's the difference here? The difference is that the river contains a lot of water and the water dilutes the effect of the salt. So the water represents the good karma. Salt represents evil karma. So when we do a lot of good karma, it dilutes the effect of the evil karma. That is why yeah, that's the only way we can uh, dilute the effect of our evil past karma is to do a lot of good now. Then the Buddha said, Now again in this connection, monk, suppose a certain man has to go to prison for a theft of $10 or $20 or he has to go to prison for a theft of a $1,000. Or again, suppose another person does not have to go to prison even though he steals the same amount. Now what sort is the former? He is a poor fellow owing little of small means. Owning little of small means. Such a one has to go to prison for his debt. And for what sort of what sort of person does not have to go to prison for the same offense? In this case, monks, it is a rich man owning much of great means. Such a man does not have to go to prison. Uh, here again, the Buddha is giving an example. Eh? Suppose now, uh, uh, you imagine uh, a beggar comes to your house. Uh, you are at the back of the house cooking or something. And he comes in and he sees maybe you have $10 on your table or $20 or $1,000. Then he takes it and walks away. And then you happen to come out. You see the the beggar walking away and your money is missing. Eh? Normally people would call the police and then have that man arrested and thrown into prison. But suppose some very VIP, a very important person walks into your house in the same way. Eh? And then uh, yeah, in the same way he takes pockets at $10 or $20 and he walks away. And when you come out, you see that person... He, on second thought, you think, I better not report to the police. Huh? If I report to the police, huh, I might get into prison. <laughs> uh, so you see, huh, two persons do the same deed. Huh? The result is different. Uh, so uh, after that, the, the, Buddha, uh, the Buddha said, huh, So monks, if one should say, even as a man commits a deed, so does he correspondingly experience its result. That being so, there is no living the holy life. There is no opportunity afforded for the perfect ending of ill. But monks, if one should say, even as a man commits a deed that is to be felt, so does he correspondingly experience its result. That being so, there is living of the holy life. There is opportunity afforded for the utter ending of ill. And this is a very important uh, principle here. The Buddha is saying uh, that not all karma uh, is to be experienced, you know. Uh, so, uh, that's why uh, we have the case of uh, a perfect case uh, of a man during the Buddha's time by the name of Angulimala. Uh, we know uh, that he killed uh, hundreds of people. He was a kind of bandit, but he was a lone ranger. He stayed in the forest and anybody who passed through the forest, uh, he would shoot his arrows and come with his knife and all that uh, and sort and slaughter the people and steal their goods and, and cut their, their fingers and he'd wear the garland of fingers on his around his neck. That's, one, that's why he was known as Angulimala, uh, the garland of fingers. Uh. So this man, Angulimala, he should have, if he had passed away, uh, he would have gone to hell uh, and suffered for a long time. Uh, but the Buddha went to convert him. And he followed the Buddha. The Buddha used psychic power. Huh? Uh, he tried to kill the Buddha, but uh, the Buddha was walking very slowly. He came from behind 
and ran after the Buddha and tried to attack the Buddha from behind. But even though the Buddha was walking so slowly, he could not reach the Buddha even though he was running at top speed. So after a while, uh, he shouted to the Buddha, Stop, monk, stop. And then the Buddha said, Turn around and look at him and the Buddha said, I have stopped. You have not stopped. Then he thought to himself, What does this monk mean? Then he thought, This monk can't be telling a lie. He must be speaking the truth. He has stopped. I am not stopped. Then the, he threw away his, his sword and all his weapons and then he knelt down and asked the Buddha to explain. Then the Buddha told him, nah, I have stopped killing. I have stopped harming all creatures. You have not stopped. Uh, that's why you still turn around in samsara. So then he realized. Then he, he, he wanted to become a monk. So he followed the Buddha. And then after that, he practiced the holy life and he became an arahant, got out of samsara. But because of his karma, sometimes when he went on arms round Pindabhatna, people would throw rocks at him. You know. He'd come back with a bleeding head. And then he'd tell the Buddha, weeping, and tell the Buddha, and the Buddha told him to bear it. And then uh, at that time, I think the Buddha gave him another name and told him to bear it. said that if you don't bear it, uh, if you don't, uh, the, the, the consequences of your karma are so heavy, uh, you have to sort of strive to get out of it. So he strove so hard that he became an arahan. And when he became an arahan, he didn't have to pay at all for all that karma that he did. Uh, so the, the Buddha is saying uh, that uh, if we have to pay for all our karma, then there's no point in practicing the holy life. Uh, you can never get out of it. <laughs> get out of samsara. Uh, so the one principle we have to remember is not all karma will ripen. Uh. Second one, the result of karma depends uh, on the person, different persons, uh, uh, the result of karma is different. And the third one is to dilute the effect of the past evil karma, uh, we have to do more meritorious deeds, uh, like keeping uh, our morality, uh, dana, sila, the second one is dana, uh, doing charity, another one is bhavana, development of our mind, another one is listening to the dhamma, the teachings, and then discussing Dharma, uh, visiting monks, etc., etc. These are spelled out in the Mangala Sutta, uh, the different ways of obtaining the highest merit. Uh, all these are the ways of attaining merit. Uh.